Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Morning. Uh, so glad you joined us. It's going to be fun. Well, uh, over the past couple months, we've been uh, we dove into this series called "Behold," and we looked at kind of the high view of God or God's attributes that sometimes we maybe either assume or maybe we just haven't heard in a while and saw with kind of fresh eyes uh, just the beauty and majesty of who God is. So hopefully, if you were there with us, you got a chance to kind of uh, open up your eyes to see more of who he is. We saw that he has no origin, that he's unchangeable, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he has zero limitations, that he's ever-present, and that he's faithful to every promise he has made to you and me. That's an amazing God. But in light of who he is, Therefore, what in the world are we here for? Like, in light of who he is, what are we here for? And that's where we're going to go this morning. So, uh, it might be new. What did God make you for? Uh, Answering that question. A lot of people have been asking that question (laughs) the world over. Um, But it might be a refresher for you if you've been kind of around, but just like a ship charting a course on a long journey, the captain has to continually consult what? His compass to make sure that he's going in the destination that he desires because just a little few degrees off and he can land miles or they can land miles away from they, where they intended. And so kind of in the same way, this, this may seem like, what am I here for? Oh, love Jesus. All right, there's this no. But... Uh, I, I believe God wants to unfold some stuff for us this morning. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the beauty of who you are. And that, God, we are the crown of your creation. And, Father, I pray that we would come into a greater awareness as to what you indeed made us for. God, why we are here. Why did you put us in this time and in this generation? God, I pray that you would open up our eyes no matter where we're at with you, God, for your spirit to speak to us. A lot will be said this morning, but God, I pray your spirit would speak clearly as to what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what did God make you for? That, again, that was a, that's been a question probably since we were able to think, but uh, what are we here for? About 400 years ago, there was a group of Puritan preachers and elders, and they got together, and they, they formed what was known, uh, what, is, what has come to be known as the Westminster Catechism, and uh, it's kind of a long word, but basically it was just a little booklet that they published that answered very simple questions as to the, the Christian faith, very basics, and so uh, there was kind of two parts to it, and one of these parts was kind of a list of questions and answers. A question would be posed, and then, and then they would kind of come up with, what, what's the best answer for this question? And so their number one question, their, their top of the list question, was what is the chief end of man? 
What is the chief end of men? What is the purpose for which we are here? When they asked this question, they debated. And they came up with this statement. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Mm. To enjoy God. Why are you here? Why are we here? Their answer would be to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Man, that's a pretty awesome summary as to what life's about. That our purpose, that our duty, that the thing God created us to do and that what Jesus redeemed us for is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's interesting that they, they, they led with the glory part and ended with the enjoy part. If, if it was flipped and if our chief end is to enjoy God and glorify Him, the, the look of Christianity would be completely different. If it was to enjoy God, if my, if my chief end is to enjoy Him, it would be a very self-centered, very private, very personal, spiritual relationship with God. But it's interesting that they say to glorify Him first and then to enjoy Him. I would submit that we don't enjoy God until we give Him glory. I would submit that enjoying God, being living a fulfilled life, is on the back end of one that says, God, I'm all yours. Have as, and I'm going to glorify you with everything that I do. St. Augustine, way in the past, around 400, said this, You have created us for yourself, O God, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. We glorify God by believing in Him, by confessing Him before men, by praising Him, by defending His truth, by showing the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, and by worshiping Him. And it's when we begin to glorify the Lord that you and I come into a deep and real understanding as to why you and I are here in this time and in this generation. So let's put some handles on this phrase, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Let's break that down in pulling out uh, what's the background to that statement or what can give some handles to that statement. Number one, you and I were made in His image. You and I were made in His image. The creation creating with their creator. That was God's original dream, that He would create a people that would voluntarily love Him. He could have created us like an uh, automaton, uh, where we didn't have a choice, but in order to love, there has to be a choice. So God created us in His image. We are wired for Him. You and I are wired for His ways, and we feel fractured or broken until we come into alignment with Him and His ways. Genesis 1, verse 27, So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God, this is what's known as kind of the dominion mandate. God gave man authority on the planet to co-create with him, to cultivate the garden in which he placed them in, to cultivate that garden to the ends of the earth with the Lord. That was God's original dream. But yet, as we know, we fell. We desired to define good and evil on our own terms. We didn't want God as our leader. And so, we rebelled. 
And then that authority was lost. The authority that God gave man to rule with him was lost. But then Jesus came to restore that authority to mankind. That authority was regained. So we are made in his image so that we can image him in the world through our lives, through our love, through our service of others, through our sacrifice, legitimate sacrifice, not just, oh, I sacrificed a little time on my social media and put a little something up. No, it is that sacrificing your life to reveal who God is. Sacrificing, um, yeah, time, energy, resource, our words, our labor, how we labor, images who God is. Our families image who God is. Because you and I, we are ambassadors of a better kingdom. That's what Jesus said. That if you come follow me, Paul says that you become God's ambassador on the earth. You are to image him. So you're to image him. Well, how do we do that? Well, you live a life oriented in him. You live a life oriented in him. Daily walking with him. I think sometimes we get so comfortable or that becomes so familiar with us, but do you understand how beautiful, how majestic, how amazing that statement is that you and I can walk daily and commune and talk with and hear from the creator of the entire universe, you and me? What? Living a life oriented around him, it is that I have no clue what that life looks like. Man, I lived so many years not like that. And so it took me a little minute to get some areas in my life oriented. Maybe all areas. But that's kind of how we like it. We like kind of Jesus a little sprinkled in. We like a little dash of some hobbies, a little dash of self-care, and a little dash of Jesus. And I got that well-rounded life. Yo, that work-life balance, right? Boom. Woo, little dash of Jesus. Got to have him. No, is that really what the gospel is? It's no. Man, it is that when we come to the Lord, it is we're handing over the deed of our entire house. And we hand him the master key to say, man, come live inside. And it's not just in this one attic room that you want to kind of keep Jesus in. He gets to roam the whole house. And so it's making Jesus the center of every area of your life, not just an area. Walking this out in our relationships, living life oriented in him, how I converse with others, how I argue, how I have conflict, our jobs, our responsibilities, our joys, our imaginations, or even our drives home. It's living a life oriented around him, to think how he thinks, to see what he sees. God wants to bring you up in. We sang about it is that he seats us in heavenly places. He seats us with him in heavenly places. When you begin to follow the Lord and you give him those, that master key, it says automatically, even though you're living here on earth, simultaneously your spirit is just seated up with Christ and he's trying to teach you how to live life from up here, not down here. And so living a life oriented in him is that, God, I, I want to see what you see. I want to think how you think. And as you do, you begin to have a deeper awareness that this world 
is a spiritual world. And you begin seeing a spiritual battle at play over mankind and over your own life. And there's this call to just not being blind to the forces of darkness, living a life oriented in Him. The more you come into that, the more you're going to be aware that this world is spiritual. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, almost every time I sit down to crack open God's word to say, God, I want you to speak to my heart. God, I'm looking for a fresh word. It's interesting, almost every time, distraction comes. That whisper comes, that little something, that little, oh, news media, oh, feed, oh, this, oh, I got that other stuff, oh, I got so many things to do, and then you're off. What got robbed? Your time with him. Don't tell me that's not spiritual. Don't tell me those distractions, what comes through our phones, this constant distraction. It is absolutely spiritual to steal you and him from being together. To live a life oriented him. Paul says this, it seems spiritual. It's because it is. Paul said this in Ephesians 6, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of who? The evil one. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your enemy is not other people. Come on now. But against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul says, therefore, since that's the case, since our battle is that, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now you're going to begin, well, it's a whole other thought. So, well, for shoes, put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. And I love that. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows, the attacks, the distractions, that shield of faith. No, 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 wait. When I meet with God, God's meeting with me. He's always here. I'm going to meet with his presence. You put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This amazing encouragement from Paul to keep our focus rightly aligned. Our battle is not against people, but against evil rulers and authorities. So it's like living life awake, living a life oriented at him. You begin to change and transform, begin to be more aware of what's going on around you. And you begin to see that our culture gives us an autopilot. But Jesus is the better pilot. Come on now. That means being with him and his word more. And taking authority. We talked about taking, taking authority over those distractions to say, I am meeting with the king of kings today. I am dialoguing with him. On my drive to work, drive from work, I'm going to shut out maybe some distractions because maybe that day my heart's a little unsettled, so I'm going to use that time to just talk with him. It's, it's beginning to step into more and more to where um, there is this, where, where we can actually live when Paul says pray at all times and on every occasion. There was a man 
in the past, his, name's, his name was Brother Lawrence. If you might be familiar with Brother Lawrence. And uh, Brother Lawrence was a cook in a monastery. And he took this, I want, to, I want to pray at all times, I want to do everything to the glory of God. And so he began to just break his entire day down. And he began to, with intention, do everything unto the Lord. Everything unto the Lord. And he lived this way for a handful of years. And the reputation about this cook in this particular monastery spread. It was such a, an amazing testimony of a life lived with intention. And Brother Lawrence um, just was faithfully serving away in utter secure, in utter, utter seclude, secludedness? Whoa. No coffee this morning. Looking for words. Anyway, he began to be a man of such wisdom that people would get appointments to go get his counsel. The Pope twice went to Brother Lawrence to get counsel for what he was having to make decisions upon. Brother Lawrence was just a cook, but he did everything to glorify God and enjoy him. So living a life made in his image, living a life oriented in him so that you can fulfill your God-given calling. So that you can fulfill your God-given calling. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works he planned for us long ago. You're God's masterpiece. You were made in his image to live a life oriented in him. And so you can fulfill your God-given design. You're a masterpiece. A masterpiece in a masterpiece story. God has called you for a purpose. And a lot of times we think, especially this word calling, kind of has a little baggage. Because uh, if you grew up kind of in the inner city, uh, you're, you know, that word calling is like, oh, did you get the call? And you're like, uh, no. Uh, I didn't get that call. My uh, friend got that call, but I'm totally out. But that call, that call is usually referred to full-time ministry. Uh, another another uh, way to look at calling is God has, this, um, God has this perfect dream job for me. That's my calling. Man, this perfect, beautiful dream job, and I'm waiting for that dream job to come. And so, God, I'm waiting for that calling to hit me. No, no, no. That's not what biblical calling is. There's some, there's some generals that God has called all of us to, to be his masterpiece so that we can walk in the works that he has planned for us. What is this call? Well, the first call is to follow him. That's what Jesus uh, would ask this simple question, will you follow me? And they had a choice. They could keep living their own life or they could drop everything and say, I'm following you. There's a difference in between knowing someone, basic fact, yeah, I know that guy, versus following them around every minute of every day. Do you ever have somebody do that? Do you ever have somebody just kind of like shadow you for a little while, like a long while, and you're just kind of like, yo, man, I need that little self-care time, man, right? A little private time. No, but when you're around somebody, you're just around them. Man, I had a roommate 
right after college that had the most weird idiosyncrasies. One of the ones that, that boggled my mind is he would take an entire Kleenex. He would roll that entire Kleenex, and then he would proceed to twist that Kleenex up his nasal cavity. <laughs> and he would do that about four or five times and then just leave them in the uh, commode. And then just in, until we come in, and I'm just like, bro, that's so weird. Where was I going with all this? I didn't know that about him until I started living with the brother, right? I didn't, you know, and sometimes that happens in marriage. Man, I never saw that side of you until we got hitched in the night. We're that, we're that. No, it didn't happen very, it actually does. But anyway, but this simple call of Jesus to just follow him, be with him, not just on a Sunday, not just so I can kind of know general facts that I'm walking with you every minute of every day. I'm following him. I'm inviting him in. I'm, I'm allowing him, again, the master key. God, you can come in at any time. I'm inviting you into this work relationship. I'm inviting you into this marriage. I'm inviting you into my relationships because I can't seem to kind of keep any. It's daily following and trusting him. I mean, I would, I mean, do you think his disciples would have, you know, Jesus wakes his disciples, his disciples up on a Monday, and his disciples are like, oh, Jesus, man, it's a Monday, bro. We went to synagogue yesterday. It's like, no, man, come on, here we go. Let's wake up. Follow me. And as we grow in him, we learn and value the power of what family really does to offset the work of the enemy. It's amazing. Jesus could have used any language to reference who the creator is. And he chose family language because that's what he's creating. He's creating family. But you and I, I know for me, a little bit, but I know for many, we don't know what healthy family looks like. We, we are, we're kind of, to a certain extent, born as kind of spiritual orphans. And until someone, with the Lord's help, brings us into this kind of family, we don't really know what it is. Orphans tend to behave certain ways. Orphans tend to think that, uh, if you've ever, uh, just kind of some case studies, but kind of very typical, is that um, uh, foster children are people that have been kind of orphaned for a long time. Uh, usually the first month that they're there at maybe a new house, maybe they got adopted or, or, or they're in a new home, um, a lot of times food becomes, it gets stored away because they just, they've lived a life where they just don't know when the next meal is going to come or if it's going to be enough. And so they continually just try, just they've been in survival mode for so long. And it's interesting is that trying to, if you walking with that, fo you know, that foster person and saying, no, you'll have enough. It takes a little while. It takes a little while to trust. Man, I don't, I'm not really trusting of people. I've been hurt by people. I've been railroaded by people. And God, I just don't know if I can go there. So I am just going to kind of survive, do what I can, and not trust anybody. And that orphan heart God tries to get that orphan heart out of us so that we can live a life as an adopted son and daughter 
living confidently that he's going to provide everything, that he's going to be everything, that he's gonna have, you're going to have everything that you need. He will never let his children go hungry. You will, you will, you will, he says that you, you have everything that you could ever want in him. But God, it takes a little while for that orphan heart to get out of us. And so learning to follow him, it's one of the things that he's trying to get out, is that orphan heart. It took the nation of Israel 40 years to get the heart of Egypt out of them. Let's hope it's a little less for us. Amen? Come on. All right. So this call to follow him. What, there's another call that I think we could kind of surmise through the gospel. is a call to serve others with love and power. A call not just to follow Jesus, but a call to serve others with love and power. Finding joy and serving others. Man, I love seeing it. It's like somebody who's never really served before, learning how to just like, man, I'm just going to get in there. And what happens is you begin to see, and it's just like the transformation of like the Grinch's heart. You know, it's like, man, he was, his heart was three sizes, two, three, whatever. And then he began to care. And then he began to love. And then he began to serve. And man, boom, 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 that heart begins to grow for others, going the extra mile. It's getting and growing in the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing the power of God, seeing the power of God move through your life. You're a simple conduit. You, it has nothing to do with you, but it is God, get me in a place where I can lo- see your love and power manifest in my life by serving and loving others. I came into the kingdom not really knowing how to serve very well, but as I kept leaning uh, into that and learning, taking every opportunity I could to serve, I grew deeper and more reliant on God, praying for others, getting, seeing God answer prayers immediately and in time. Amazing. What tremendous horizons and opportunities we have to serve others with His love and power. And I think especially with the time that we live in and the chaotic upheaval that our culture and nation is kind of in what a, there is no greater time for the gospel of peace to be preached from our lips. Amen. And then lastly, there's a call that, that Jesus restored this kind of mandate for us that we had in the beginning, and that is a call to cultivate. A call to cultivate. You and I are called to cultivate. Jesus restored our original mandate to rule and reign with him, to be fruitful and multiply and create with the creator. And God has put you in places, specific places of influence for the king. Could be a roommate, a spouse, family, particular job, a particular place where you're employed, uh, extended family and friends, old friends, new friends. God has put you in a place to cultivate, to cultivate. Men, husbands, and I'll tell you, one of your greatest jobs and most glorious jobs, cultivate your wife. You can kind of tell those who've cultivated their wives and those who haven't. And they've taken that call to cultivate. God, everything that you've put in my surroundings, I'm going to cultivate. I'm going to fertilize. I'm going to love. I'm going to lay my life down so that the fruit of that will always be for God's glory. Cultivated. 
When whatever is right before you is your mission to be God's man or woman in that place to shine his light. We get kind of locked in on this kind of future calling, but we don't realize that that calling is now. It began already. Like our, from, anyway, lock in to your calling. What does he put in front of you? Cultivate it. Matthew 5 says this, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your good deeds of cultivation shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's that what God has placed before us, we're going to faithfully cultivate. So be careful what you say yes to. <laughs> Make sure that it's the Lord uh, leading you to say yes to whatever you bring on that plate because with that comes this responsibility and charge from God is I'm going to cultivate that. I'm going to, get, I'm going to either get better at that, I'm going to grow that, if it's a whatever. Praise the Lord. Cultivate everything the Lord's placed in your hands. And it is impossible without him. So, probably need his help to do that, amen? Um, so practically, just a couple pro tips and then we'll land. What does this mean? It means, where does this all begin to glorify God and enjoy him, to be his image bearer, to live a life oriented in him and to fulfill our calling? Expand your time with him in secret. Expand it. Wherever it is, it might be just one minute a day. Hey, come on, let's get honest with ourselves. What is it? What is that time that you are giving for you and the Lord to be together? Whatever it is, expand it. Lean into that time. Give him five, ten, more, twenty minutes in that time in his word. Uh, if it's throughout the day, God, I, okay, every time I get a little break, all right, we're having a conversation. So when I get a little 15-minute break at work or whatever, uh, I'm going to go out and just have a little five-minute. I'm just going to walk the halls. I might not pray out loud because then that would kind of be weird, wouldn't it? But I could just be praying as I'm walking around, maybe prayer walking the company, maybe, maybe praying for the increase of that company because God's person is in that company. Cultivate. Dialogue with him throughout your day. So expand your time with him. And then lastly, I mean, because there's a lot of lists. I realized at the end of this, I was like, dang, there's a lot. There's a list. Hate lists. But in that cultivation, what that does is that when we cultivate others, it creates family. So build family. There's so much. If you, if you, the reason why I say that is because I see what the demonic spiritual agenda is towards mankind. It is uh, individuate, self-reliance, um, siloing. So in order to counter that, it is I'm going to build family. I've been made to be interdependent, and so I'm going to learn what that means. Um, and really, it's stepping into those relationships God, ha God's, God has for you in a greater way. Laying your life down, building family. Expanding your time with him and building family is some of the greatest things you can do with your time to glorify him and enjoy him. Hmm. 
So I guess maybe the question would be, what's blocking you? What's blocking us? What's standing in our way of that life well lived? Of, of us following him, of us orienting our lives in, uh, in him and fulfilling our God-given calling. What's standing in your way? Different seasons, it's different things. But what is it? What's holding you back? Is it those distractions? All right, well, what is specific that distraction? Let's get detailed. God wants us to walk out of here without this junk in our way so that you and I can live the life that we've been made to live. So what is it? What's standing in your way? And we're going to pray through this in just a second. So the more we can kind of give time to kind of dial this down, God, what's standing in my way? Maybe I'm just too busy. Maybe I, my heart, maybe my heart, I, maybe I just haven't cared about this. Maybe I, because of all the things coming at me, man, I'm realizing how important this really is. What is it? God wants us to put that right on the altar. Or you could say, a, the, another analogy would at the foot of the cross. To say, God, I, I, I've lived with this. I, I, I don't want this in my way anymore. And so, God, I'm laying it at your feet to take it. And in exchange, he gives us transformation and victory over those things. Amen? So let's kind of just go to him in prayer. And God, we just thank you for the life that you've made for us. God, specifically and in general, God, what an amazing call to follow you, God, to serve others with your love and power and to, to cultivate. God, that's an amazing life. But God, there's so many things that could be in our way. But God, there's one thing in particular for us that I feel, God, you're highlighting right now. God, what's standing in our way of walking fully, more fully in that right now? Is it a relationship? We're going to, this is kind of, this is live prayer, y'all. I'm not just going to say an amen and move on. We're just going to sit in this and process with the Lord. So what is this thing? a relationship? Is it how you spend your time? What is it? And then, God, we're just going to hand this to you, just in the spirit. Lord, we just, God, we just approach you. God, we thank you that we can even approach you. But God, I pray that you would, we could just exchange this. God, we know that it's a boulder. It's dead weight in our life, and it's keeping us a bystander. It's keeping us sidelined. Father, I pray that we would exchange it right now. God, we give this to you. God, we give this habit. God, an addiction. Lord, we give this uh, the way we spend our time. We give our selfishness, this relationship, whatever is standing in our way. God, right now we hand it to you. God, we repent of agreeing with that distraction or that thing God, we even powered that by our own agreement. And so, Lord, right now, we just fall out of agreement with that in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness over that in our life. God, maybe you've just been waiting for this moment of like, I've been waiting for you to hand this to me. 
And so, Lord, right now we hand it to you. Say, God, have your way. God, with this out of our hands, God, I pray that you would fill it with your spirit. God, fill it with your life. Fill it with purpose and calling and the life that you've made us for. Father, we are not going to let anything get in the way of our relationship with you and us walking with you, of us walking in spiritual family. We're not going to let anything get in the way. Father, we're going to be your people in this hour and this generation. And Lord, I pray that you would just have full control over us, that you have the master key. God, just take in charge. Lord, we love it. Lord, when I was in charge, I made a mess. But God, with you is life and godliness and fruitfulness. And Lord, we pray and we thank you that we live to glorify you and enjoy you forever. So Lord God, we just thank you for that forgiveness. We just pray that, again, you just feel that. Lord, as we leave here, God, I pray for divine creativity over our imaginations, that we would begin to walk in a greater reliance on you, a greater conversation with you, a greater processing of everything with you so we can be your people and your ambassadors to be a light set on a hill so that they may see our good deeds that you do through us and praise you in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.